0: Talk and Aliens, the William Clear podcast. Let me check that over for mistakes. William Clear, Pop Talk and Aliens podcast. No, she's right. She's absolutely right on every count. As always, I am William Clear. This is Pop Talk and Aliens. And it is a podcast. And it is once again brought in part to you by Audible. That's right, Pop Talk and Aliens and Audible together once again so that I can offer you. 30 days to try out Audible with a free audiobook. Audible of course is the world's leading platform for audiobooks, audio entertainment, all the podcasts, original material that you can only get on Audible over 200,000 titles and you can check it out for free. You get a free book 30 days on the house by going to audibletrialcom aliens. That's audibletrialcom aliens. Pick up a free audiobook check it out for 30 days listen to the whole thing it is an incredible incredible app you can use it on your laptop your tablet your phone whatever uh, connects to the internet you can switch devices and it'll remember where you were when you when you when you stopped the book uh, I absolutely love it I highly recommend it if you don't have it try it out for free there's no catch and the audiobooks in the 30 days, everything you get is the full service. There's no like limitations on it. They don't cut out chapters or anything like that. It is the full measure of Audible for 30 days for free so that you can get the idea and you can try it out, audibletrial.com slash poptalkingaliens. If you'd like to follow us on social media, it's Instagram. That is the home base and that is also at poptalkingaliens Pop on Instagram if you'd like to follow the show. See the uh, funny headlines and, you know, information show updates that we put up there and uh, communicate. You know, you can message message me. I, I will answer. You can comment, all that stuff, and uh, you know, stay active on there. So that is the place to go. You can also go to poptalkingaliens.com if you'd like to see or slash hear every single episode that's ever lived of this show because the podcast providers only keep up to 25, I think, at a time. And if you'd like to see some of our video podcasts that we've done in the past, YouTube.com slash at pop aliens. An at symbol in a web address, Bill? Yes. YouTube.com slash at pop and aliens. If you don't put the at symbol in there, you're gonna get a 404 page. YouTube.com slash at pop and aliens, and that is that. Did we keep that under a minute? Fuck no, it's 240. Or 240 in already with all the promotions and everything but anyway it's just that's how you can support the show or just leave us a rating on your podcast provider or whatever but no need to spend any money There's, there, it's all 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 of the accoutrements to the show are free of charge and speaking of free of charge uh, we do have a special episode coming up for the holiday it's not really holiday themed but it's just a uh, something I've, I've thought about for a while now and i thought i'd put it together it's going to be a clip show, all clips of Charlie Crabtree and I doing our finest, in my opinion, Star Wars stick from over the years, from all the different podcasts we've been doing about stars for years. It's been great moments of fun, and there has been moments where we have predicted things that have uh, come to pass only years later, way ahead of the curve. Humble brag not so humble, just bragging, because, you know, we're in the weeds, we, we see these things developing, we call them out, and then they come true. So you, we'll give you an episode of, of just that, it's, it's a gift to you, and, and a gift to me, because I, I just like listening to that stuff, and it's, it'd be cool to have all the best stuff in one place. And then, of course, uh, in January, we have a new season of The Bad Batch, in March, we've got Mandalorian 3 coming, and then uh, Jedi Fallen Order Part 2 the video games. So Charlie and I will get together, if he'll have me, if he'll have me, and talk about Andor and Bad Batch and Mandalorian and all that stuff. And you'll get the special clip show. So Star Wars all over the place. Eh, but if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. That's what podcasts are all about. You, you can just not download the episodes you don't want. But subscribe, subscribe to the podcast if you don't mind. Anyway, let's get let's get into it with the UFOs. It's time. It's that time. Big news for UFOs. There was, as you probably know by now, but I'll just recap real quick. uh, In 2017, New York Times article that kind of busted the lid open on the Pentagon's knowledge of UFOs. Videos were released. uh, Documents were found. uh, Things were discovered, meaning investigations of UFOs, uh, ATIP the uh, advanced aerial identification threat task force whatever they are there's so many of them OSSAP. point is numerous uh, government agencies investigating ufos the ufo phenomenon had never ceased to be explored by the US government, even though in 1969, they told us Project Blue Book was being closed and "Ah, we're not interested in UFOs anymore. Of course they were. We all have known that, but now it's been confirmed that they, they really have been looking at UFOs the entire time. And because of that 2017 article and all of the videos that came out and then people like Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp continually bringing out documents and everything, Congress said, hey Pentagon, you know what? What the fuck is this stuff? And why aren't you explaining it to us? Why are are we not being informed? So it all kind of came to a head in 2019 when the Pentagon said, okay, yes, those are real videos. We don't know what they are. I don't know what you want from us. And Congress said, well, I'll tell you what we want from you. We want a report annually that tells us that you are looking into these things, what you're finding, uh, what they are to the best of your knowledge. And we want you to come to us every year with a new report on this stuff. And they stuffed it into one of the COVID bills. So uh, the Pentagon was on the hook to do this. And then uh, just you know, recently, uh, over the summer, the Pentagon delivered their first report, quote-unquote. It was, wasn't really a report so much as they called it a preliminary assessment. And that's what it was. It was basically a document explaining what kind of methods they were going to use to explore UFOs and how how to figure out, you know, what's what. And also saying that of 144 cases that they investigated, they could really only explain one. And it got people very excited because we thought, okay, in October, on Halloween, they are going to deliver their first actual report. And we're going to find out some, some really cool stuff. Because we even had, like, just a lot of Things being said that were exciting and, and that were enticing and compelling. Like there was a government advisor who, who told Congress that we have materials from craft that we have retrieved that are not of this earth. And we had the Pentagon saying, well, we've got some more footage, but we can't release it because it, it represents a grave danger to national security. So, all of the old stories that I used to tell and everything, they, 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 they were rendered Im- unimportant by all of this, right? This, who cares about something that happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. It's, it's all about the, these Navy sightings of UFOs. Three big ones. The Tic Tac UFO, which was seen in 2004 in San Diego by Commander David Fravor, who chased it and said that it went speeds that nothing man-made was capable of it was also caught on radar then we had the gimbal ufo caught on radar we had the go fast ufo caught on radar things doing performing feats unimaginable no visible propulsion trail you know all of these things that, that if you're a ufo an enthusiast or nut or skeptic or whatever you're well aware of, of these videos and you've probably seen them so all of that came to a head, and that's been the attention of UFO people for the last few years. And sometimes for me personally, like, I, that, it kind of gets frustrating that that's like, continuously what's talked about. is like, just let's get more and more information about these Navy sightings, because that's got to be the smoking gun. And I've often thought, what if that isn't the smoking gun? You know, thankfully, there's people like Jeremy Corbell who, you know, some people think, I've said this before, some people think he's like a disinformation artist. Some people think he's, you know, the the son of God when it comes to UFOs. I'm uh, someone who likes the guy. I think he does good work. Um, I take everything UFOs with a grain of salt. But I'm always very hopeful. And I do give everything my my undivided attention and, and try and, you know, come to a conclusion or at least an opinion or an idea about it. But I always reserve a final judgment until someone comes out and says, yes, this appears to be extraterrestrial. And what is this? Well, this UFO, this sighting, this thing, this piece of material we recovered, that looks to be alien. We we cannot explain it. So far, we have not had that. That does not exist. Now... This uh, report that I just talked about being due on Halloween uh, has not been delivered yet. And again, we're, we're we're mid-December at this point, and the fucking thing is not here. However, it has been leaked, or at least uh, the big points of it have been leaked to the, to the New York Times. Just a couple of weeks ago, the New York Times ran an article with leaked information about what's coming out in this report. Now, I guess the, delay, the reason it hasn't been delivered to Congress is because it's being, you know, vetted for national security concerns. Then when it's delivered to Congress, they vet it again, and then they make public whatever they feel is appropriate to tell us. But we already know. And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, my fine feathered friends... as I sip from my Christmas coffee cup to gather myself, to tell you that the news is not good. Oh no, 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 it is not good. When it comes to the, the more recent UFO sightings, this leak tells us that, uh, guess what folks? Nothing to see here. Those fucking four words that we hear so often in the UFO community Nothing to see here, and and let's let's look at the, uh, the the source of why they're saying that and what they're saying it about. Again, I'm going to go back to uh, the New York Times, and uh, let, let's let's look at this for a second. Okay, can I get past the goddamn paywall? I already loaded this up prior to the podcast, so I should have been able to sneak through. Uh, yeah, October 28th, so just a, a month and a half ago. Julian Barnes of the New York Times writes, Government officials believe that surveillance operations by foreign powers and weather balloons or other airborne clutter explain most recent incidents of unidentified aerial phenomenon, government speak for UFOs, as well as many episodes in the past years. The sightings have puzzled the Pentagon and intelligence agencies for years, fueling theories about visiting space aliens and spying a hostile nation using advanced technology, but government officials say many of the incidents have far more ordinary explanations. Intelligence agencies are set to deliver a classified document to Congress by Monday. Well, that Monday was Halloween and they haven't delivered it. That said, nearly all of the incidents remain unexplained. Now there's the good news for you. Most of the in- the incidents remain unexplained. The original document, as I said, looked at 144 incidents between 2004 and 2021 that were reported by U.S. government sources. Uh, The article is based on interviews with American officials familiar with the findings, or this article, this is what I'm reading you, this New York Times thing, is based on interviews with American officials familiar with the findings of the Pentagon and intelligence agencies examination of the incidents. The official spoke out on the condition of anonymity to discuss classified work. Some of the incidents, now this, this gets very interesting because again, the narrative has always been these things that we've seen on radar, particularly the three videos that I mentioned, are craft that are performing feats that are not possible given the current technology that we know of by us or any other nation that has been said, but it may not be true. Because, to continue with this article, and I'm sorry to just be reading you an article, you know, I I have curated everything and, and, you know, I'm I'm talking to you from the point of view of just someone talking, but sometimes when you get into details like this, it's like, am I just going to crib most of this article and pretend I'm telling you it or just fucking read it to you? When it's something this big, I'm just going to read it to you. Parts of it, the important parts. Uh, I have uh, filtered out all the nonsense so that you don't have to listen to that. And you don't have to try and sneak behind the New York Times paywalls. But here's the big thing. What we did not expect, or at least I did not expect, quote back into the article. Some of the incidents have been formally attributed to Chinese surveillance. With relatively ordinary drone technology and others are also thought to be connected to Beijing, which has stolen plans for advanced fighter planes, wants to learn more about how the United States trains its military pilots, according to American officials. Much of the information about the unidentified phenomenon remains classified. While Congress has been briefed on some of the conclusions about foreign surveillance, Pentagon officials have kept most of the work secret in large measure because they do not want China or other countries to know that their efforts to spy on American military were detected. Well, now we know. And now they know. And what the fuck? These things, again, like I said, were supposedly, supposedly doing things that are not possible. And yet, not only are they possible by human technology, but they are spies. They're spying on us. They are spy drones. Spy drones, ladies and gentlemen, from China, that are spying on us. Continuing. Uh, such official security comes at a cost, allowing conspiracy theories about government lies to thrive unchecked. We'll get into the uh, we'll get into the conspiracy theories, but uh, let's continue. Sue Goff, no relation to Denise Goff from Andor, which I'll talk about later. Sue Goff, a Defense Department spokeswoman, said the Pentagon remains committed to principles of openness, but must balance that with its quote obligation to protect sensitive information, sources, and methods. While the Pentagon will not rush to conclusions, Ms. Goff said no single explanation addresses the majority of the unidentified aerial phenomena reports. We are collecting as much data as we can, following the data where it leads, and we'll share our findings whenever possible. It was not clear how much of the new intelligence report would be made public. But of the cases that have been resolved, most have proved to be either errant junk in the sky like balloons or surveillance activity, officials said. Incidents recorded in the past year for which more data has been collected have turned out to be ordinary earthbound explanations. In many cases, observed phenomena are classified as unidentified simply because sensors were not able to collect enough information to make a positive attribution, Ms. Goff said, referring to cameras, radar, and other devices that collect information. Quote, we are working to mitigate these shortfalls for the future and ensure we have sufficient data for our analysis. Unquote. Other officials insist that even though the evidence is imperfect, the grainy videos do not show space aliens. I don't think anyone ever said they did. I, none of the videos, see, I'm going to get into this a little bit more about like what the Pentagon tells us and everything. And I'm, it's going to be a little tinfoil I had, I get it, but you know, it's fine. You can think that. But once I get through this article, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, because things like this line in the article, I'm going to read it again. This is just one sentence, but it's important. Other officials insist that even though the evidence is imperfect, the grainy videos do not show space aliens. Again, no, no one ever said they did show aliens. It was the activity of the objects that were shown in these videos that was in question. And exactly what is capable of doing that? Getting back to the article. Optical illusions along with the characteristics of classified sensors have caused ordinary objects like drones or balloons to appear to be something unusual or frightening. In May the Pentagon announced that previously released images of green triangles that look like they could be alien ships were actually drones photographed through night vision lenses. I That doesn't surprise me. Those triangles never impress me. I don't know if you ever saw those, but... Uh, uh, Jeremy Corbell, the, the aforementioned, was going on and on about these uh, triangles f- photographed from uh, planes. And they were, they were through like infrared photography and stuff. And I, to me, I was just like, well, whatever. Uh, they, they weren't that impressive. Certainly not as impressive as, as the videos. Uh, military officials declined to say precisely when or where the images were taken, but they believe the incidents are examples of attempts to conduct surveillance on military maneuvers. Makes sense they're always seen over these naval bases and stuff and we all know as i've said before that ufos have been spotted you know above nuclear bases and things for decades long before there was a such thing as drones so you you can still there's still some wiggle room if you want to believe and uh yeah we'll we'll get to that too there's more to say about this but i'm gonna i'm gonna plow through on this article because it is a big deal Back to it. UFO skeptics and experts in optics have, said, have long said many of the videos and sightings by naval aviators represent optical illusions that have made ordinary objects. Again, weather balloons, commercial drones appear to be faster than possible. Military officials have largely come to the same conclusion. Besides the images of the Green Triangle, the other recordings released by the Pentagon have not been categorized as surveillance incidents, at least so far but Pentagon officials do not believe that they represent aliens either. One of the videos, referred to as the "Go Fast," which is one of the famous ones, appears to show an object moving at an immense speed. But an analysis by the military says that this is an illusion created by the angle of observation against water. According to Pentagon calculations, the object is moving 30 miles an hour. So in other words, like, you driving in a school safe zone could outrun the fuck out of this thing and yet for years this has been purported to be something moving faster than anything humanly imaginable from that to 30 miles an hour from oh we've seen things that can go from 80,000 feet all the way down to the ocean in less than a second uh, No, it turns out yeah 30 miles an hour Another video, known as Gimbal, the second big one, shows an object that appears to be turning or spinning. Military officials now believe this is that the optics of the classified image sensor, designed to help target weapons, make the object appear like it is moving in a strange way. So, our our equipment sucks is the conclusion from this. That uh, it's only it can only track uh, weapons. But what if this is a weapon? If it's a surveillance thing, that, that's essentially a weapon. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intelligence weapon, but it's still a fucking weapon if they're spying on us. So what good is this shit? What good is this trillion dollars that we're spending on this stuff if a 30-mile-an-hour jogger can fool you into thinking that he's a UFO? Pentagon analysis to, Pentagon analysis remains puzzled by some of the videos collected by the military. One where an object hovers over the water, jumps erratically, then peels away is more difficult to explain, officials said. But analysts who have studied that video as well as ones associated with eyewitness reports from aviators are convinced it is not a piece of alien technology. So that would include, I assume, the David Fravor tic-tac, where he chased it and it was caught on radar. Not a piece of alien technology. Nevertheless, efforts by the Pentagon or intelligence officials to stamp out these theories about aliens have largely failed. Pentagon has formed and then reformed groups inside the department to improve data collection around the incidents and provide better explanations. We talked about that in a podcast just a few months ago, how the Pentagon created yet another UFO office to sort of like counterbalance the UFO uh, office that that Congress wanted to create and actually put through in a law, not the one stuffed in a COVID bill, but one later. That, you know, they wanted to have like a transparency office where they worked with the Pentagon and they got all this stuff out. And then the Pentagon created like their own little secret cabal and said, no, we'll take care of it. I refer to this as a tug of war at the time. Uh, And getting back. Military officials have repeatedly said there is no evidence that any of the images show space alien visitors. Again, never said they did. Comments often played down in the news media or ignored by lawmakers. In May, I don't, that's not true. Nobody has ever said that they showed aliens. This kind of, see, this, tinfoil hat time, ladies and gentlemen. This, to me, reads like debunking. Not skepticism, not reporting, debunking. Because they keep saying that we don't see aliens in these videos. No one ever said we saw fucking aliens in these videos. Anyway, getting back, in May, Pentagon officials testified under oath that the government had not collected materials from any alien landing on Earth, which goes against what the random advisor person told the uh, Congress. So take what you will from that, once again. Um, but the testimony did little to dampen enthusiasm for theories about extraterrestrial visitors. Again, I, I I don't know. This is a very, very, very slanted article. Publicly, military and intelligence officials have been reluctant to offer alternative theories, in part because they lack complete information, like the case of the three videos, or because they do not want to reveal what they know about the surveillance for fear that China or other countries could learn to better hide their activities. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess. Do they need to hide it? They got to... Fucking piece of shit drone that goes thirty miles an hour, but we think it's going three hundred thousand miles an hour or whatever. What do they? What do they need to worry about? The failure to categorize or offer explanations for many of the unidentified incidents has allowed UFO enthusiasts to argue that the government does not know what the incidents are, at least leaving open the possibility that aliens. There they go again with the aliens. There is a long history of U.S. government using speculation over conspiracy theories to prevent secrets. ...from being widely known during the development of American spy planes like the U-2 and the SR-71 Blackbird... ...the government allowed rumors about UFO sightings to continue to help hide the development of those programs. And that's true. Those things, the uh, the Blackbird and the, the U-2, were in, invented, built, created, developed, flown out of Area 51 proper... ...which is different than where Bob Lazar said that he worked on alien spacecraft, which was called S-4 which was adjacent to Area 51, but it was you know it was down the road, hidden in a mountain, all that stuff. People at Area 51 didn't know about it. It was a completely different thing. It just happened to be adjacent, nearby, what have you. But the idea was that uh, back in the day that they were making those things and people were seeing weird things over area 51 the government was like yeah let them think it's ufo's and then that way they won't know what it actually is and and we can just keep the the ruse up it's a good distraction and the russians will think that we're that we're just having a ufo craze over here meanwhile we're building these these super machines that are going to you know win us the next war true certainly to an extent yes maybe completely true or maybe there were also ufo's i i, I don't know there were a lot of sightings back then. I don't know if every fucking one of them was a U-2 and the SR-71, but that's what they said. They, they let the, the madness run wild so that we would think they were UFOs while they were secretly building uh, spy technology. And certainly, to, to, to some extent, that is true, obviously. Like I said, back to the article. But intelligence officials concluded long ago that using conspiracy theories as cover for classified programs sows distrust in the American government and paranoia. Some American officials believe the secrecy surrounding the Chinese surveillance of military bases once again risks giving life to conspiracy theories and heightening distrust of government in an ever more bitterly divided society. At the hearing in May, the Pentagon declassified the conclusions after two separate images of ghostly green triangles. Here we are back to those things again. Easiest to debunk. Recording in the uh, recorded in the two incidents, one on the East Coast, one on the West. Officials testified publicly that the green triangles were actually drones with a trick, the camera lens and night vision technology, transforming them into glowing triangles that look like alien spacecraft. They they don't look like alien spacecraft. We don't know what alien spacecraft looks like. Jesus Christ. They just looked like shit that we don't understand. And so people wanted answers as to what are these, including military people people that are not interested in conspiracies i i love the way this article massages uh the it, it, like like a like fucking plato two two different pieces of plato one is like the conspiracy theorist plato and then the alien plato and then the and the, and they just kind of put it together into this uh like uh yeah everyone thought we saw aliens but we didn't Everyone did not think we saw aliens. Everything Everyone thought we saw things that were very weird that could possibly, maybe, be of alien origin. Maybe some people just assume they were aliens, but I don't know. From, from the comments I get on this show, from the people I follow on Instagram and, and other places and all the stuff I read, there weren't a lot of people that were running around saying they were UFOs. Even people like uh, Jeremy Corbell. And he wasn't saying these are aliens. He was saying, like, we don't know what they are. Neither does the military. Neither does the Pentagon. And now they're just, you know, leaking this stuff to the, to the New York Times. And the, the Times is writing about space aliens and conspiracy theories and all this and that and, you know, venturing away from the point. Yes, the the drones looked like uh, glowing triangles in night vision. So what? That doesn't mean they look like spaceships. Ah, for the love. At the hearing, other military assets saw drones operating in the area, allowing the Navy to conclude the strange triangles were nothing otherworldly, said Scott Bray, Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence. At the hearing, Mr. Bray also explained why the government was not releasing more information about the incidents. Quote, We do not want potential adversaries to know exactly what we're able to see or understand or how we came to the conclusion, Mr. Bray said. Therefore, disclosures must be carefully considered on a case-by-case basis. And that is the end of this piece by the New York Times. So um, basically, that was like 48,000 paragraphs of saying that... We don't want to release information about Chinese drones spying on us because we don't want them to know that we know that. So we're just going to leak it. And also, all of your favorite UFO videos are not UFOs, meaning they're not, you know, spaceships. Uh, And you clearly thought they were aliens. You said they were aliens, uh, but they're not. They're space junk, Chinese drones, and... uh, Weather balloons. Yeah, I mean, they, they said they said that twice. Twice in this article. Weather balloons. Which boggles my mind that we are still on that. That we are still on that. What mainly boggles my mind is this. I, I looked up, like, I did a little research on weather balloons themselves. Because I'm always joking about them and saying how, how ludicrous of an excuse they are. But it really does turn out that, like, We use, meaning the government, uh, meteorologists, amateur weather people, um, people doing experiments, they still use weather balloons. There's still a preponderance of them in the sky, which, again, like I said, it boggles my mind that that we are trying to figure out the weather to this in 2022 when we have drones. We have drones. uh, you, You can buy them at Best Buy. For a reasonable price. You can attach whatever you want to figure out the weather and fly them up there. But instead, we are using something that was invented for the amusement of children. Just big versions of a child's toy. Something that you give to a kid at a carnival that sticks in their chocolate sticky fingers for five minutes and then floats away. And then someone thinks it's a fucking UFO and reports it as an alien oh i'll tell you this about weather balloons ladies and gentlemen i don't even think they go 30 miles an hour so the fact that a weather balloon could be mistaken for a unidentified aerial object flying at uh speeds here for unknown to man is a bit much for me to swallow chinese drones spying on us that's terrifying and then us just admitting that that's what they are, but saying, we don't want them to know about it, but we're going to tell you about it. This is confounding to me, this article. So let's let's talk about a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to get into my tinfoil rant in a second, but before I say that, before I get into any of that, let me say this. Uh, when I started this podcast in 2015, none of this Navy... The, the big article, like I said, it came out in 2017. So this stuff wasn't really like... Some some people deep in the UFO community knew about it, but it wasn't widely released. It wasn't really known to a whole lot of people. Videos hadn't been released. And so I was telling stories about various UFO incidents that sort of, in my mind at least, remain unfinished over the years. Then these came, these things came out And I've had to do many shows about them, have had to, I mean, I I choose to, I choose to do them because it's exciting UFO stuff. But one thing that's always kind of lingered in the back of my mind is that the more focused we become on this topic, these congressional briefings, these, you know, ATIP, OSAP, Pentagon offices, these leaked documents, leaked videos, all that stuff, the the Gimbal, the GoFast, the Tic Tac, David Fravor, all that stuff, the, the more we get honed in on that, we start to lose sight of the fact that the UFO phenomena is much bigger than three goddamn videos. And it's much bigger than some Navy pilots seeing Triangles in the sky. You know, the stories that you don't hear that aren't making the front page tend to sometimes be a bit more interesting. And I'm going to make it uh, one of my missions in the coming year to talk more about these things that aren't getting the publicity, that aren't maybe necessarily being investigated, or maybe they're going on in, you know, with all these people now. NASA's got people in on it investigating UFOs. Maybe, you know, everything's going to get investigated now. Which, great, good, we'll, we'll get excuses, weather balloons, and, uh, you know, I don't know how much of this is, it could all be true, maybe none of this stuff, I mean, they, they do say that there's still plenty that they can't figure out, yet, yet, but there, you know, there's plenty of weather balloons, and, and they, they did definitely take the sexiest of the sexy, the big three videos, and, and debunk those. Um... But again, like I'm saying, the, the, the UFO phenomena is bigger than just these three videos and, and Navy pilots and stuff like that. And I, I believe it, it them debunking this to whatever extent, and we, we don't know all of the story yet because the report has not been released. And then whatever of that report that's going to be made public has not yet been made public, obviously, because it has not been delivered to Congress. So there is still information to be taken in by all of this if they ever fucking deliver the goods way overdue way overdue all we have for now is this leak so i think it opens the door to kind of continue to look at some of the other stories recent some of them maybe not as recent but many of them very recent about some of the things that people have seen that people have witnessed actual alien stories you know, this, again, this article talks about, oh, people thought they saw aliens. Eh, like I said, six or seven times already. No, 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 we didn't. We didn't ever say that. We just want to know what they were. So it's important to look at it in, in a bigger picture capacity. And I know that this may sound like uh, some sort of rationalization. Like, oh, there's a UFO guy who can't take the bad news and he insists that the Earth is still flat despite all of the overwhelming evidence that it's round. No, I mean, I'll take this at its word if I have to, that, that these things are just fucking space junk and goddamn kids' toys floating through the air and uh, the the Chinese are spying on us and now we know and now they know and now they know that we know and we know that they know and all that shit. Fine, if that's the case. But it doesn't slam the door on UFOs any more than the 1997 book called Case Closed, that the Air Force came out with about Roswell, closed the case on Roswell. That case is not closed. It, it just isn't. It's like, it's like the JFK assassination. Like You can sit there and say, oh, no, 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 we, we, we've told that story and try to let it fade into history as much as you want, but the fact of the matter is, no, th- there's still too much stuff there that isn't explained. And there's just thousands and thousands of UFO stories that are not explained not just the few hundred that they're looking at. So we will continue. Continue onward with the uh, alien news, the UFO stories, the reported sightings, and uh, we will keep talking about it. And certainly as this story develops, I will be here to tell you about it. Um, But before we move on to the pop talk section of this podcast, here is my, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a moment. And, and, and you know, I just said, I, I, I can accept that these things are what they say. I'm willing to, to do that. I don't, you know, just like any person, you know, I, I don't necessarily trust the government, government, but that doesn't make me Alex Jones. You know, it's not like I think everything is a fucking lie. I just think that things are massaged. Like I said, they're massaged in a way to convey a message in a way that, that's kind of uh, demeaning to people that may believe in UFOs, that sort of implies things that aren't really there, like the fact that we think that they're aliens and all that stuff that I've already said. So let me look at it for a moment. I, I, feel, like, I feel like my tone has changed to this defeated uh, sort of way of speaking from having to, to read all that. I am not defeated. I am not uh, discouraged, actually, at all. But let me give you just a sort of conspiracy theorist take on this. First of all, uh, this leak, this New York Times article, is obviously planted by the Pentagon. Uh, And I I don't mean that in like, oh, this is planted by the Pentagon. No, it's clearly like there's Pentagon officials that are quoted in this article. So that's where it's coming from. Now, why is it going to the New York Times on the condition of anonymity, but then like then there's actual people that are named like that, that golf woman and the, and the other guy, uh, there's two people named in it plus anonymous sources. So they talk to a lot of people, a lot of people in the Pentagon that talked to the New York Times and still haven't delivered the actual report. So what is that about? What, 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 what is happening there? What are they doing? Trying to, in all likelihood, again, from the conspiracy standpoint, m- make us perceive this report as it, it's nothing. All of this stuff we've been seeing is just, you know, people getting crazy about UFOs and space aliens and space aliens and space aliens, and it's not space aliens. It's just conventional stuff. Oh, and also, uh, yes, a military spies from China looking at at our military activities, but uh um, you know, not UFOs, not not, not aliens. It's, 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 not, it's not aliens. They also go out of their way to sort of marginalize the ones that they can't explain, which are legion. There's tons in these investigations that they're supposed to deliver reports on that are not explained still. And those are the ones that are still of the most interest. And it doesn't mean I think that they're fucking aliens. It means that they're unexplained. So they need to be explained. So, you know, because all you need is one to actually be aliens. But again, going back to if they're not even fucking aliens... The majority of them are still unexplained, and when they talk about the unexplained ones, they are so quick to say, "Well, you know, we, we just don't have enough data on that yet. Uh, you know, it does take a lot of a, a lot of data. The the recent ones that we've looked at, we've certainly been able to 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 use the you know the, the proper uh, methods to to identify the fact that they are just a bunch of space shit, and that our our satellites uh, can only identify weapons. They can't identify slow moving objects. But if a gun is floating through space," Uh, they'll certainly be able to identify that. Um, but if uh, a bird is flying at 30 miles an hour, then uh, they'll be fucking confounded and mesmerized by it. So there's that. We don't have the data. We don't have the data yet on the, on the other ones. But when we get the data, I'm sure it'll be plenty easy to explain. We just We just don't yet have the data. Then there's something in that article that I feel like is sort of a dead giveaway about this. They say that, as I talked about, you know, in the 60s and everything with the Blackbird and the U2, they let people think that they were UFOs because they didn't want us to know that they were making this crazy military stuff. And they certainly didn't want foreign powers to know that. So they just let us run wild with UFO theories. But they don't want to do that anymore. They don't want us to run wild with UFO theories because it sows distrust. So what do you do then? Well... Tell us that they're not UFOs. Be very clear, as they have been in this leak from the Pentagon. Not the actual report yet, but a leak from multiple sources. They're not UFOs. They're not UFOs. And also, um, back in the day when we used to say, let people think that they were UFOs, that that was bad for for, for people. So in an increasingly divided society, we want you to know that they're not UFOs. Oh, okay. All right, so they're, they're not they, they, it was okay to think they were UFOs back then, but we should definitely know now that they aren't UFOs because uh, we want uh, to be trusted. We want We want to trust the, the, the government, which is an increasingly rare thing these days uh, from both sides of the aisle. That's my conspiracy take on it. Planted leak in the New York Times. That part I don't even think is a conspiracy. I mean, it just it, it is that. Like, the, it's a leak from the fucking Pentagon and the weeks before the reports come out that is telling us that they're not UFOs. And yeah, the whole Chinese thing baffles me too. I Again, we don't want them to know that we know this, but we're going to leak that we know this because we don't want you to think it's UFOs, a.k.a. the space aliens that you think it is. And you didn't see space aliens in the triangle photos, even though you never said that you did see space aliens. I know I keep saying that, but fuck, it's just, yeah, yeah. This, this, this article feels to me like, you know, and I, I don't like saying these things because I really don't like coming off as, 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 a, as a guy who just wields conspiracy theories into a microphone and then puts it out on the internet. We live in dangerous times with people just talking shit. And I don't want to be one of those people, but I do have to say that this article, in certain ways, in certain parts of it, just read like Pentagon propaganda. And we know that the Pentagon has been increasingly secretive about their UFO stuff. You know, they admit some things, and then they kind of, like, move the line. And Congress says, no, we want to know about this stuff. We want it to be transparent. And and then the Pentagon moves the line again. You know, so... Take from that what you will. What I take from it is there's a shit ton of unexplained cases still. Not just, but all of the other ones that are not necessarily being investigated. The, the UFO phenomenon is massive. It's unanswered in so many ways, in so many different places, and there are so many different people that um, can talk about it. Fucking Skinwalker Ranch alone, man. That place alone can, keep, can, keep, the, can keep, the fires, keep the fires burning, keep the lights on, in terms of UFO curiosity. That place alone, the Skinwalker Ranch. But that is what we have for now, folks. There will be more to come. There will always be more to come. But doing this for years is going to keep doing it until I just can't talk anymore. So that is it for aliens for now um if that report is ever delivered we'll talk about what actually comes out of that you know i'll let the dust settle let the quotes come out and let the uh we'll let the conclusions be drawn and then we will analyze the conclusions so we can see what actual military people have to say and see what uh, government people have to say you know maybe some of these pilots will come out and say give me a break wasn't a fucking drone or uh you know maybe they'll say oh okay drone fair enough in any case we will be back to that. But for now, let's move on from the aliens. Now that uh, you're up to date, I'm up to date, and and you can draw your own conclusions for now. Um and we'll get we'll see what happens as we go. Let's talk uh, let's talk some Star Wars for, for just a little bit here. And then we're going to talk about Die Hard and how it's a Christmas movie. Andor, the latest show from Disney Plus of Star Wars. Yes, you heard that in one sentence. A great Star Wars show from Disney Plus. That most people who have watched it agree is a great show. There are a few who don't, but they are they are the minority. Basically, like any other Star Wars show, and I'll get into some spoilers here, but again, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I, I want to have a longer form discussion about, about Andor. But uh, the Star Wars fandom is divided by Andor. And that may seem like redundant because the Star Wars fandom is divided by every thing that comes out that's Star Wars. Star Wars fandom is sort of like the Catholic Church. Like there's so many schisms and offshoots and different interpretations. They're, they're never going to agree on on everything. But Andor has been praised by most people who have watched it. The, the, the unfortunate thing is that it has much lower viewership than all the other Star Wars shows. Now, whether that's because... People don't really know that it's a Star Wars show, uh, or if they just they don't see lightsabers or the Force or Jedi or Sith in the title, or it doesn't have any like you know Boba Fett, Obi Wan Kenobi, the Baby Yoda doesn't have any like big, like grab character. I don't know, but uh, the viewership numbers have been low, but the the critical reception, and I'm talking about on the part of fans who have hated. Other shows that Disney has put out, like Obi Wan, Book of Boba Fett, or and don't they're not even that crazy about the Mandalorian, and they think Rogue One was like you know "Eh, it was pretty that that one was pretty good. They hate the sequels, of course. That's most people. Uh, Even they like Andor. The only, you know, going back to the Catholic Church, if Star Wars fandom is Catholic Church, do they have a pope? And if so, is it Star Wars Theory, the YouTuber? who talks about star Wars and has 3.5 million viewers Well, view, not viewers. He has 3.5 million subscribers I think His views are maybe a million on like one of his most popular videos. So I don't know, but yeah, I don't want to talk shit about the guy. I've enjoyed a lot of his work over the years. Uh, he seems to be very enthusiastic and really loves star Wars, but he loves star Wars in a very particular way. And I have a couple of points to make within this. So please bear with me. I'm not just on a tangent. Uh, this guy is in his early 30s i think he said and and i've heard him mention that like the first movies he saw i'm not sure which prequel but the the prequels were the first movies he saw in the movie theater so he sees star wars from that point of view and as you know star wars is much you know to do with your point of view as they say in the movies i was born in the 70s so i saw the original before it was a new hope before it was episode four before it had jabba the Hutt and you know extra Jawas and all and and all that all the crazy stuff that Lucas added in 1997 and then again in uh 2004 and then again in uh, I think 2006. There's I believe there are seven versions of the original Star Wars Uh, but the point I'm making is I grew up with pre all of those it was just it was just the original movie That, that that's all it was and I had to wait three years for Empire Strikes Back. And then Empire Strikes Back came out. And there was no, you know, there was no Ian McDiarmid as the emperor. It was it was a guy with makeup combined with a baboon's face. And it wasn't even the same actor. It was Clive Revel who did it in 1980, Empire Strikes Back. And you take someone like Star Wars Theory, who grows up, maybe he sees the originals first, but his first experience is in the theater with the shiny prequels that were very clean, very... Very digital. Now, I love the prequels. I've been saying that since day one. I love them since... I saw Phantom Menace 20 times in the fucking theater. So it, this is not... I'm not bagging on the prequels here. I'm talking about perspective. It, that, those movies take place 20 years prior to A New Hope. And A New Hope takes place more like in the backwaters of the galaxy. So it's dirtier there. It's, it's more uh, lived in. It's more real world. It's more human-based. And, you know, I think particularly the pre-special edition versions of, of these movies before they had slicker special effects and everything i grew up with star wars kind of having that gritty grounded feel and andor has that in spades there are no jedi there are no sith there's no even mention of the force that bothers people like star wars theory i'm going to give you an example he uh talked on a live stream where he was watching uh the last episode of andor and and he praised the show he said it was great great acting great cinematography great music um great dialogue all that which is all true it, it's a fantastic it's just it's just a fantastic show never mind star wars you don't even have to understand star wars a, like a lot about star wars to even get the show if you've seen a, a bit of the star wars movies you're gonna be fine And you can just enjoy it as a space spy thriller that bothers people like Star Wars theory. And I get it. I understand. But his specific complaint in this live stream was that there were bricks in it, bricks and screws. And, uh, he was complaining that, uh, you know, that George Lucas didn't use things like bricks and stuff like that. And of course, uh, and everyone that wants, wants to take this guy down, uh, showed examples of many bricks in star wars such as in naboo which was filmed in italy like it's not even real there's like maybe like a cg island in there and stuff like when they're looking out on the lake but for the most part it's just fucking italy there's bricks they're all over the place uh the yavin base because i'm talking about george lucas star wars not there's bricks in the last jedi never mind the last jedi in the original Lucas Star Wars, the, the, the base on Yavin, the original Rebel base, in the pre-special editions, is all kinds of brick. And I thought, well, if I'm looking at it from Star Wars theory's point of view, he's thinking about new George Lucas, not original pre-ability you know, ability to make all kinds of crazy shit with a computer, George Lucas. So I thought, well, he, l- let me think, I can, I can kind of get an idea of what George Lucas thinks of br- of bricks, by looking at the special, the latest edition of Star Wars, the last one he ever, last time he ever tinkered with it, and that is the one that's on Disney Plus now, the 4K version. So I, I, I have the originals. I looked at the Yavin scene, and sure enough, yeah, you know, there's bricks and stuff, Yavin Rebel base, and then so I thought, well, certainly George Lucas removed those from the special edition, and I just haven't noticed. So I, I looked at the special edition on Disney Plus. George Lucas's current stamp, stamp of approval version. And uh, there's more bricks. Yeah, he added a whole second deck to the Yavin base that's not there in the first original movie. And, and, and there's more bricks. There's even more bricks. Now, I what Star Wars Theory was saying was that the particular bricks that are on the planet Ferrix in Andor are like the kind of bricks you'd see in, a, in an old English building. Or, or a chimney in, in New Hampshire or something like that. You know, they're like red and black. I get it. He's talking about everyday earth bricks, not like stone bricks in a, in a jungle base stuff. Like, I get it. I get it. That's what he's talking about. But I think that George Lucas himself w- would have been fine with the design of Ferrix. It looks very Star Wars. If you look at all the paneling and sort of like the, the shaping of the architecture and stuff, it 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 it's not just like they're running through a town of like nothing but brick buildings. They're very much it's very much Star Wars architecture. It's just that there are bricks in it, and the bricks play a central part because when uh, main one of the main characters Marva dies, uh, one of their traditions on Ferex is that they actually you know they, you're cremated and you're put into a brick, and then you are put into a building and you become part of the of the city, which is very very nice, and it's it's that's a very star warsy type concept i think so i have no problem with the bricks but i understand where he's coming from but the point it brings me to is that there's this generational gap in star wars from people who grew up with the special editions and the prequels who look at it in a certain way that i think probably george lucas would rather you look at it at as but for those of us who actually made that franchise what it was with all of our fucking money buying the toys before everyone else was born I know this is like sounds like gatekeeping. I'm not. It's fine. I love that everyone enjoys Star Wars. Whatever way they want. Bricks or no bricks. Whatever. But in George Lucas's case, I mean, he once said, he said this. You know, people talk about how oh, Lucasfilm is mean to their fans. Well, George Lucas actually said, when I finished Star Wars, Empire, Return of the Jedi, I didn't have the technology I wanted to use. So I considered them to be half finished. And I'm sorry... To those who fell in love with a half-finished movie he said that I'm sorry if you fell in love with a half-finished movie not only do we fall in love with it George and again I love George Lucas I'm just I, you know there's a fucking picture of George Lucas in my living room but the man is not without his flaws and he's not without saying things that probably shouldn't have like anyone but this was a big one Falling in love with that half finished movie is what allowed Star Wars to be what it is. If nobody fell, in, if you're sorry, and if we didn't fall in love with it and we said, God, that seemed like a half finished movie. That was a piece of shit. Wish he would finish that thing. Maybe in 20 years he will, and then we can like it. Well, then it never would have existed. You have to keep the whole perspective of it. But for those of us who grew up with the original if you look at the the universe that you're seeing when you're introduced to star wars if you go in through original a new hope prior to it being a new hope in the scene where r2 and and 3po are are being fixed up by luke on tatooine after he buys them from the jawas he he pulls off a restraining bolt off r2d2 and when he pulls it off the space that it occupied on r2 is this perfect round spot of like gleaming white and the reason you can tell that is because it is surrounded by filth because he is so filthy that the reason you can you you can see where the restraining bolt was is because it is it is embossed by filth around it and then after the restraining bolt is taken off r2 proceed proceeds to project a hologram onto a greasy grate a filthy greasy grate it looks like a sewer grate a lot of the, and then later on there's there's guys in imperial uniforms sitting around a desk big circular desk talking politics and that's what andor is a slice of in the star wars universe it is not an all-encompassing skywalker saga space opera it is about those things that lived in human universe that is being oppressed by the empire And the Empire that is oppressing it. And that's it. Luke Skywalker will still ultimately be the hero of the day, the Jedi. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Jedi, will still help him fight the ultimate Sith, Darth Vader. That's all still going to happen. But meanwhile, in the universe, we get to see in Andor why the Empire is so bad. We get to see how much control the Empire is trying to orchestrate around this vast galaxy to the point where why would they even need a Death Star? Because there's too many little things going on. They can't control all of it at once. They've got this entire staff of Imperial Security Bureau, ISB people that are trying to, you know, keep order in the galaxy. They're going to need a Death Star and the people are going to hate them because of what they do to them. And it's not just blowing up a planet. It, it's a, it's, the process of 20 years of tyrannical rule. And it's a timeless story that this is probably the first Star Wars property to come out of Disney, aside from maybe from Rogue One, that hasn't been like divided up politically. There's no like people complaining about, oh, it's it's a, you know, it's a woke show or it's this or it's that. They're just saying, the only people, the complaints people have are like either bricks or that some of the weapons look a little too earthy, which I, I agree with that one. Some of them are like, can you maybe space that up a little bit more than just a regular AK-47 that even I can recognize? And I don't know a dick about guns. But I've played enough Call of Duty in my life to know what an AK looks like. And I've heard enough rap songs where they're described in videos. That part of the galaxy, that story, the story, the point is, the story is timeless. No one is saying like, oh, people have tried to say... Like, oh, it's a parallel of now of, 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 you know, fascism and blah, blah, blah. And Tony Gilroy, who, who came in and wrote, rewrote Rogue One and kind of redirected it, is the creator of the show. Every time he gets in an interview and some journalist tries to trap him into that, he walks right out of it using the same exact talk that George Lucas did when he first, you know, was asked about, like, you know, the Empire and all that. And it's like, it's an amalgamation of empires it's the British Empire it's the Roman Empire it's the American Empire the rebels are the American Revolutionaries the Viet Cong you know whatever I mean it it's not about now and it's not about it's not like just World War II or just now or just the American Revolution it's all things it's universal themes of people's innate you know desire for freedom and those who would take that away and people are getting that out of it, and I and it makes me so happy. So it, it kind of sucks to me that, that sort of more maybe like younger Star Wars fans or the prequel generation. I guess. I mean, I know that sounds disparaging. I don't mean it to be. I'm I'm, I'm glad the prequel generation exists. I said many times that, that would happen. They would they would grow up to be the loudest voices in the room. But sometimes. I, you know, it's like, I want to sit them down and take them in a time machine and be like, just, just experience this for a second before you, before you go too far talking about lightsabers and slick ships and nice palaces and city planets. Even though we do get the city planet in Andor, we get beautiful Coruscant in Andor. It's not as bright and lively as it was in the prequels as it should be because the fucking empire rules it. Like it's not, it's a business planet now. It's a government planet. It's the center of the galaxy. It's the galactic capital which it was before but it was the republic capital and it was thriving so it was you know there was like a seedy underbelly and stuff but you know it was very beautiful and you know gorgeous lights and everything and and now it's like yeah it's you know it's still still the city planet but it's a little it's a little dampened it's not quite as as bright and shiny as it was being that uh, it's under the rule of the emperor but I know I've been going on and on about the fans and everything. So let me just tell you about one last thing, which is the storytelling and the script writing is phenomenal. Again, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. And it has stood up to repeat viewings. I've watched it four times in its entirety since it's been finished. And I cannot say that about any of the other Disney shows. I've watched The Mandalorian a few times over the years. I watched Book of Boba Fett a couple of times. I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi a couple of times, but it's like th- those shows for me tend to lose something each time. So it's like, I just kind of leave it. It's like, oh, all right, I still enjoy those to certain varying extents. There's a lot I don't, so but I'm just going to leave it there. And or it's like, I just want to watch it again and again. And part of that is is the acting. The actors that were hired to be in this show Stellan Skarsgård, Genevieve O'Reilly, Denise Gough, Andy Serkis steals the fucking show. I mean, all four of those people, I am certain that there are uh, Emmy Award nominations in their future for the show, because the show has also been critically, wildly acclaimed, and it's made the number one list of best shows of the year on like Empire, Vulture, there's there's other sites too. Those just off the top of my head. Number one. Number one. Not top five, not top ten, number one. Andor. Fucking Star Wars show on Disney Plus. But these these actors, and they're all Shakespearean, uh stage trained actors. And, and and I'm not trying to be snobby about that. I mean, you know, most of my favorite actors aren't aren't that. But when you take those types of actors and you put them into Star Wars, even though Andor is not the traditional space opera type of Star Wars that the, the Lucas Star Wars is, even in the the George Lucas Star Wars, when you when you give even his wooden dialogue, which he readily admits that he writes, you know, wooden dialogue, when you give his dialogue to Alec Guinness or Ian McDiarmid, they can even transform that shit into sounding like it's Shakespeare. My favorite example ever of, like, great Star Wars acting is, once again, we go back to the original Star Wars, when Alec Guinness is given the line, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. What the fuck is that? What kind of dialogue is that? But Alec Guinness takes it, and he turns it into poetry, and delivers, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Ian McDiarmid does the same thing with the Emperor's dialogue. I mean, he just—he—you—it he, he, it sounds like it was written by the finest uh, dramatic writer I- in the world. Then, when you get these types of actors who are, you know, of the same caliber as those guys, and you—and you're given fantastic dialogue to read, it's fucking mind blowing. I mean, m- monologues in Star Wars are not common, and when they are, they're usually not all that well-written, and it requires someone like Ian McDermott sitting in the opera in Revenge of the Sith telling the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise and crushing it and making it sound like it's just amazing writing. But when you get Stellan Skarsgård or Andy Serkis given, given their monologues, when you get Fiona Shaw, by the way, Emmy, nomination coming for you, Fiona, for playing Marva and her Fuck the Empire speech... She doesn't actually say that, although there is a rumor that that was that they wanted her to say that and then they changed it. I, I don't know if that's true, but it's a rumor. They do say shit in Andor. There's a guy who says shit at one point, but, you know, I don't know. Han Solo said hell. I can live with it. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, I did not like the fact that they used the word toilet in Andor. I'll say that. But uh, anyway, getting back to the acting. Marva gives a, a monologue about fighting the Empire Stellan Skarsgård a monologue about you know he's a he's a rebel he's he's a rebel and he's talking about all of the the moral compromises he's had to make in order to make the rebellion work and how his mind is a sunless space and it's the complete opposite of Marva's like you know rise up and fight the tyranny and then you got Andy Serkis inspiring everyone to escape from the prison with his one-way out speech it's fucking amazing it's amazing writing. It's amazing acting. And yes, it's an amazing story. Because it's a story about people. The people in the galaxy. Why the Empire is so bad. The Empire is terrifying. The the, the, the acting, again, there with Denise Goff as Dedra and Anton Lesser as the like the co-chief of the uh, ISB. You've also got Hugh Lauren. He's not an actor. He's, that's the character's name. He's a, He's a guy who's sitting on the Death Star. Uh, in the boardroom in episode four doesn't say anything and then they they took that character and they gave him a a big fucking fascist speech in Andor where he's telling the uh, ISB all of the new measures that they're going to be allowed to take to to bust up the rebellion and it's just creepy there's a scene where the the rebels are are planning a heist and one TIE fighter one TIE fighter flies through a canyon and it's terrifying they're all ducking for cover. The, the, this one TIE fighter comes flying through because you don't see a whole bunch in this show. We've seen thousands of TIE fighters like on screen at one time. And it's like, okay, here come the TIE fighters. We have a big battle and it's gonna be fun. And I fucking love it. But in, in this show, one TIE fighter, they hear it coming, they cover up, it flies through a, a canyon. The sound design is fantastic. You, you know, the, the classic screaming sound of the TIE fighter rumbles through this canyon, this canyon. And it's fucking scary. And you feel why the Empire is so bad. And, and you understand why there has to be a rebellion. And you also get to see why the Empire in Episode 4, in A New Hope, fears the rebellion. They, they do, they, they say... One of the, uh, I think Admiral Mati in uh, A New Hope says, you know, the the, the Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. Or actually somebody says that to him. It doesn't matter who says it. One of the Empire guys says it because they are afraid of the rebellion. That's why they're, they're, you know, let's get the fucking Death Star operational. Come on. It all makes so much more sense when you have the context of Andor. It only enriches everything. And again, if you don't care about Star Wars, but you love a good spy thriller, you like a, a war movie... Um, you're willing to be able to sit back and enjoy a slow burn that has a lot of character development, a lot of characters, a lot of dialogue, but every single one of them is paid strict attention to. They are all given their own thing to do. They all have their own reason for being there and everything lines up and makes sense. And then when you get to the end, it's like, wow, everyone really did play a part in this. There were no extraneous characters there were no filler episodes. Everything had a point. It is wonderful. I highly recommend it. And it's time that I get off the Star Wars topic. And we'll talk about that more later. But yeah, as if you haven't heard enough already. And now, I thought about Die Hard and Christmas. Because it's Christmas time. I watched Die Hard last night. It's always the first Christmas movie I watch. And it is a Christmas movie. And here's why. I will tell you why Die Hard is a Christmas movie whilst telling you why people say it, it it isn't a Christmas movie. A lot of people's argument that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, and I'm assuming you've seen Die Hard. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's one of the seminal action movies of all time. It changed how action movies are made. Every, everything about action movies changed after Die Hard, and there were 7 million ripoffs that were made of it. it. It was a joke for a long time, that in Hollywood, the best, the, all you had to do to pitch something and get a green light on a movie w- was say that it was die hard in something. Die hard on a battleship, die hard in an airplane, you know, die hard, die hard in a restaurant, whatever, whatever it was. Our great friend, the, the genius uh, Brad Johnson, rest his soul. He had an idea of for a movie called The Curator, which was die hard in a museum. And uh, it, was, it was not a, a very deeply fleshed out idea, but one of the scenes was that the curator would have, you know, just happened to be, you know, a specialist in combat and weapons and counterintelligence and foiling these people that were going to rip off a museum. And one of the scenes was going to be that he was going to pour, like, you know, fake cement over himself so that he looked like a statue. And then, <laughs> and then he was going to jump out of the statue when the robbers came by. But, you know, in 19, say, 93 or something, you probably could have gotten that movie made with just what I described as the pitch. Just that, nothing else. It's Die Hard in a museum. One of the scenes, he pours stuff over him so he looks like a statue, and then he jumps out and and starts shooting at the bad guys. Done. Just that and a movie star, and, and and you've got $20 million budget. And back then, that was a lot. Anyway, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, in that obviously it takes place on christmas and a lot of people use that as a counter argument say well it just takes place on christmas there's a lot of movies that take place in christmas doesn't make them christmas movies uh one example i thought of just off the top of my head is the movie funny farm with chevy chase it's one of my my favorite comedies i'll watch that movie anytime even though the like the third act of that movie takes place in christmas but it doesn't really there's nothing christmas about that movie it's just that you know, it happens to take place on Christmas. There's no, nothing about Christmas is intrinsic to the end of the story. It's just that the end of the story takes place at Christmas. So what's the difference with Die Hard, you ask? Well, Christmas Eve is a character in the Die Hard movie. Christmas Eve is constantly referred to, and many of the circumstances of the, of the movie are only possible because of the fact that it's Christmas Eve, such as the fact that there is a Christmas party on one floor, so there's a limited amount of people contained in one area of that building on that one evening. And the only reason that's happening is because it's Christmas, and there's a Christmas Eve party. Uh, much of the dialogue, you know, one of my favorite lines ever that Theo says, uh, All right, guys, t'was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except... The four assholes coming up the rear in standard two-by-two cover formation. There's that line. Of course, there's, it's Christmas, Theo. It's time for miracles. It runs rampant, right? The soundtrack of the movie is like fucking sleigh bells all the time. There's like suspenseful strings that are like holding out like a dissonant chord while, while sleigh bells just chime over and over again. It happens constantly throughout the movie. But then again, you could say that Bill. That's just the setting. That has nothing to do with the story. It's not a Christmas story. Well, what what exactly is a Christmas story? Does it have to be about Santa Claus? I mean, because in that case, you have to throw out it's a *Wonderful Life*, *Christmas Carol*. You know, is *Christmas Vacation* a Christmas movie because it has to do with family? Um, *Die Hard* has all of those elements too. Um, even Santa Claus, because he puts the Santa hat on Carl and he writes, ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. So it even has Santa Claus. But no, for, but for real, the themes of a Christmas movie generally have to do with some sort of, you know, not not every one of them, but it oftentimes have to do with some sort of like character arc that indicates some sort of change for the better on that character's part, or a character realizing to appreciate that which god has given him because it's christmas time it, you know it doesn't necessarily have to be referred to as the god thing but that's sort of you know the, the appreciation redemption love all those things that happens in die hard john mclean In the beginning of that movie, you can look at like George Bailey. I mean, half of It's a Wonderful Life, even It's a Wonderful Life's third act is Christmas, and the first two acts are not Christmas. But the theme of the movie is very Christmas, and Christmas plays an integral role in the end of It's a Wonderful Life, which is what makes it a Christmas movie because of the fact that Christmas is like a character in that movie. And what happens to George Bailey is he learns his own value. He learns uh, how much how important the people in his life are? He has this realization, and that changes him for the better. A Christmas Carol, Scrooge being a dick and learning to appreciate everything that he's had and everything that he has, and then becoming a better person for it. John McClane, in the entire first like twenty minutes of that movie, constant tension between him and his wife, arguments. Tons of references to, to their marriage being, you know, essentially over. And that he's just coming for the kids. And again, why can he come? Because it's Christmas Eve. He can get a day off work. He's a cop. She's got this Christmas party. He wants to see the kids because that's what you do on Christmas. You don't want to leave your kids alone on Christmas because Christmas is a major character in that movie. So there's that. But the, their marriage is, is done if if at at worst and at best, it's completely falling apart. And when they get separated... By the, by the the robbers invading the Nakatomi Plaza. John McClane, through the course of his trials learns to appreciate how much he loves his wife. And at the end, prior to, at the very end he gets back together with her. She appreciates him. he appreciates her. she you know they realize things about each other without having even said anything to each other and they get back together. And and prior to that, he has a, a a big scene, a very important scene in the movie, where he tells Al Powell over walkie-talkie, he kind of dictates a, a a goodbye letter to his wife in case he dies, and it's all about how he never said he was sorry, and and he didn't, you know, he didn't realize all of the sacrifices that she has made and everything that's important to her, you know, that he he was denying, and there's this entire Christmassy spiritual realization of appreciation arc that is happening to John McLean throughout that entire movie, along with all of the action. You cannot tell me that all of those things don't conspire to make a Christmas movie. I I just don't see how it isn't a Christmas movie. It's like Independence Day. Aside from the fact that it's called Independence Day, the movie itself is clearly a 4th of July movie. The 4th of July is a massive character in that movie. The whole time you were watching that movie, you were being told that it's the 4th of July. It's going to be the 4th of July. It's going to be the 4th of July. It is the 4th of July. Here's a big battle. It ties into the 4th of July. It's, it's this, it, you know, the fact that like John McClane doesn't say, you know, Holly, and her name is Holly, by the way, just, we'll, we'll throw that out there while we're at it. Uh, you know, Holly, I've really had a Christmas thought as I've been shooting bad guys and having them. Shoot at me, and I've got glass in my foot. You know, it really uh, makes me think about Christmas, which makes me think. And then it just goes into the regular speeches in the movie. Would that make it a Christmas movie if it was just referred to? If if they, if they were just real on the nose with the Christmas message that's contained in that movie? Watch that movie and don't just be distracted by the the uh, you know the timpanies and trumpets of the, of the whole action thing and how great it is and funny, how many great characters they managed to fit into a a two-hour movie it's a christmas movie it's a classic movie the next one also takes place on christmas eve and yet it's not a christmas movie why because it just takes place on christmas eve there's nothing about it that is important that it's christmas eve except for them to say wow what a coincidence that this happened on christmas eve again but there there's nothing about christmas that really factors into the story to the actual story whereas in Die Hard, christmas eve is a factor in the story it's a character in the movie and it is a fucking christmas movie thank you very much i will be seeing you soon talking Andor with charlie crabtree very soon bad batch mandalorian we'll have a big star wars episode as i told you the big bonus star wars episodes coming up when there's more news about this ufo stuff i'll be here to tell you about it when the real real report comes out we'll learn a little bit more. And it's not just going to be, yeah, everything was a bunch of bullshit and weather balloons. We'll see. They'll, you know, this is a leak. So it's, again, I mean, it's it's accurate. The New York Times ran with it and everybody else ran with it after them. It, it's not made up. This is we what we're going to see in the report. But maybe there'll be additional context when it's not just anonymous sources leaking. I'll break it down for you. We'll talk it over. We'll see what people are saying about it. You know, we'll we'll listen to clips of the experts and everything. For now, it's just the leak. So people are kind of still waiting on, let's see the actual thing. But this leak is very verifiable. It's a preview of what we're going to see. And what we're going to see is slightly discouraging. But they haven't figured out everything yet. They still haven't figured out the fucking Tic Tac UFO, as far as I can tell. They don't have an excuse for that yet. And that one to me is by far the most compelling UFO encounter story that and possibly Roswell that we have. So unsolved as of now. And look, even if it is nothing, the the world of UFOs, like I said, is so much, so much, so much bigger than three fucking videos and a couple of pictures. There's still... An enthusiasm for it that is probably unprecedented. There's technology and investigations going on from all different parties. So, you know, we we really may find something in the near future. And if not, if we don't have some verifiable, perfect story, the smoking gun, the dead alien, the gray walking off of the ship's passage way to the white house lawn there's still much to talk about there's still much to be explored and there is still a great deal of wonder in this whole ufo world so you know don't don't be discouraged by it just take it as it is we've heard this shit before we'll hear it again maybe at some point we'll hear something a little different too until then have a wonderful holiday season Enjoy the uh, Star Wars Christmas episode when that comes out, the, uh, the special clip show. And until then, yippee ki motherfucker. Cue the hot chick. Pop Talk and Aliens, the William Clear Podcast.